Hi friends, welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Kansas City MomCast. My beloved co-host, Sarah, is still on maternity leave, so you lucky people just get me today. We have a great interview for you on a very interesting nutritional topic. We are talking about dairy today, and I feel like there's so much mixed information out there. So I know, at least for me personally, I'm looking forward to learning more about dairy from a health perspective. And to guide our conversation, we're so lucky to have Bethany Frazier and Dr. Gabriel Schiffman. Bethany is a registered and licensed dietitian and the owner of her private practice, the Kansas City Dietitian, where they specialize in personalized nutrition. So she started this in 2015, and Bethany and her team have been helping clients find sustainable food and lifestyle choices that fit their unique needs. She's carved out her niche in the area of GI nutrition, and when she's not helping her clients and finding finding nourishing meals, she is spending time with her husband and her three kids in Overland Park. So she's my neighbor. Uh, Dr. Gabriel Schiffman is the medical director of the pediatric ER at Overland Park Regional Medical Center. And you may remember Dr. Schiffman from, we've had him on the podcast, and um, you also will see his face quite often on uh, Facebook, on our Kansas City Mom Collective page and Instagram account. He is a Kansas City Mom Collective favorite. So before we dive into our conversation today, a quick thank you to our episode sponsor, Midwest Dairy, and your local dairy farm families of Kansas and Missouri. Thanks so much for being here today, and let's get started. Hi, Bethany and Dr. Schiffman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys both for being here today. We we're so appreciative of both of your time and your busy schedules. So we're here to talk about dairy today. So why should dairy be a part of our family's diet? Bethany, do you want to take that first? Why is it important? Well, I mean, besides that it's delicious, like there's so many delicious <laughs> things that dairy's in, of course, is an obvious answer, but I think some of the nutrition part of it is pretty important too. I mean, we always think about dairy with strong bones, but it has a lot more to a lot more than that as far as making sure that we stay full at our meals, um, that our blood sugars are balanced. All of those can be really um, simple reasons why we should want dairy. And it also provides us a lot of nutrients like our calcium and our vitamin D, which is a, a thing that all of us are really concerned about right now. It seems like I talk to people about vitamin D all the time and, yeah. um, and dairy is a really easy way to get vitamin D, um, as well as a couple of other key nutrients. That's such a good point because whenever I think of milk or dairy in general, I always just think calcium. So I think that's that's such a great reminder that there's more than just, you know, obviously there's more than just that one main key ingredient yeah, and, in there that's good the, for us. And echoing what Bethany said, the calcium and vitamin D, they're really important at uh, many different stages in the development of our 
our lifetime. So we really need them, especially to help build good bone mass during adolescence and, and early childhood. But also as we get older and we kind of are getting older in life and uh, we want to ward off osteoporosis. So all mm-hmm. these, um, th- those two vitamins um, and, and um, nutrients really do help. Like, would you say mid thirties? <laughs> it never, it, you start it now and you, you keep on going. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what age is old. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned in, in my time. Yes. Do that anymore. <laughs> okay. So I know a common question with moms of like young kids, especially babies starting foods, people wonder when can, when's an appropriate time to give your baby yogurt, cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really recommend so yogurt and cheese can be complementary foods. We really strongly okay. still recommend breast milk as the primary mm-hmm. source of nutrition for babies up to one year of age. Okay. Um, but you can start at, uh, you can start introducing complementary foods into your di- into the kid's diet between like six months and a year. Okay. Um, it all kind of depends on if the child is showing interest, if they're developmentally appropriate. Um, you really have kind of gauge if they're interested, if they're having a good pincer grasp to kind of pick things up and. Um, to be able to feed themselves and, and showing that interest, which will be a cue from your baby, you know, to the parent. Um, and when you do introduce foods, they're important um, to introduce only one at a time um, because you really want to make sure that that baby is not going to be allergic to whatever item you're giving them. So it's, I see a lot of times that people will kind of give them a whole plate of new foods. It's best to choose one food that's not been introduced before. And then you really want to wait seven days, five to seven days after that food before introducing a new food, because you really want to make sure that that body has enough time to understand whether it's going to have any kind of allergic components to it or not. Sure, sure. Now that's, that's really important. So you Mm -hmm. kind of touched on milk a little bit, or at least breast milk. So when, Mm -hmm. when can a parent choose to give their child milk? um, And which milk should you choose? So we, the AAP, which is the Academy of Pediatrics, um, recommends that you do breast milk up until a year. Okay. And then from a year to two years, it's whole milk. Then okay. after that, you can do skim milk. Okay. okay. The fatty aspects of the whole milk is really important in the brain development between one and two years of life. That's yeah. why that change is there. And then they don't necessarily need all that fat as they move on to the second year. Sure, sure. And, and Bethany, tell me if I'm, if I'm speaking a turn as well. <laughs> I think it, some of it goes along with the kids too, as far as when, uh, when you might transition away from whole milk, but I still think that it's, or even 2%, like it's fine mm-hmm. to have those, if they prefer it, it's fine to have a fattier milk in their diet, um, complimentary to, you know, whatever else you're serving them. Or if you decide to give them ice cream, you know, yeah, <laughs> all yeah, of that. Yeah. Those, those second borns are getting it a little bit earlier than <laughs> Yes. Okay. So question kind of along those lines, kind of personal, not personal, but you know, my daughter just turned eight. She's still on whole milk. So that's all good. It's fine. It's, it's, it's not necessary per se, but it's fine. I mean, it it obviously tastes better, but it comes comes with a lot more calories that are not necessarily needed. Sure. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. You know, if you're worrying about, you know, weight or activity level, that kind of stuff, then uh-huh. she she doesn't need it. But okay. I'm not going to say it's, it's not going to hurt her per se, unless she's only drinking the milk and not drinking other foods if she's, you know, or if there's a an issue with her, her growth, you know, her weight chart. Um, sure. But other than that, it's, that's in my opinion. Just personal preference. Bethany, yeah. any thoughts on whole milk versus something else? 
again, goes back to um, what their growth is like and then their preference. Like okay. it's such a good, I, I think at that age, around the age, well, we say, we always tell people that, they, that kids learn their eating habits around the ages of four and five. So yeah. by the time they're eight, they've kind of adapted some of those eating habits. And so we want to foster a good relationship with food. And if yes. their preference is that they prefer whole milk and that will continue to get them to have a nutritious meal or snack, I think it's still a really great option um, for them to still have that balanced and healthy relationship with food. That's that's such a good point. Okay, so you talked about snacks and meals. So can you share some easy ideas of how to include dairy and meals and snacks just throughout the day? I think you can kind of walk through the day at each meal. So breakfast, I think yogurt is a really natural way to bring that in. Or if you're going to have cereals, really the things that we're looking for at each of our meals is to have a good source of protein, a good source of fat, and a good source of fiber. And okay. dairy is going to offer two of those. So it's going to offer, at least if you have 1% or, or above, um, for dairy, you're going to have a, a decent source of fat and you're going to have that protein. So you're just looking to add in some fiber. So having like a yogurt parfait or cereal that has a little bit of fiber in it and then adding regular dairy milk to it. Those can be good breakfast options. My um, children all love string cheese. My two-year-old will walk up to the fridge and will just say, string cheese, string cheese. (laughs) um, She loves to have those. So that's another good quick option. Um, Even dips are a good option too. Mm, So doing things like um, you can make a yogurt-based dip. Uh, that's yeah. really great for dipping fruit in, or you know, kids. Just, especially if you have picky kids. My oldest is super picky, yeah. so I one of my favorite things to do when she was younger um, was to do a like a cottage cheese baked dip. Which that also for a picky eater, that's always been her favorite food. I couldn't, I would not be able to get her to eat anything else, and always cottage cheese was a go. So. Even if it's not your favorite in dairy world, if there's something that maybe as a parent, I think that's where I see a lot of moms struggle. They're like, well, I would never eat this. I just don't like (laughs) cottage cheese or I don't like yogurt. They might still like it. And so offering it is a really great way. And then I think we can't forget about cheese. Mm -hmm. Kids love cheese. So you can put cheese on a lot of different things to make it more um, enjoyable Um, whether that's like a quesadilla or if you're going to put it on top of like uh, a whole wheat toast or something that again with a little bit of fiber you can make nachos with extra vegetables and even you know maybe chicken or other things to make it more of a meal those can be good options too those are great those are really good so what tips or suggestions do you all have for a child or a teen or an adult like myself who is not a milk drinker well, like Bethany was saying, there are lots of other sources of, of you know, dairy outside of milk itself in, in the sure. pure form. So like yogurt and cottage cheese um, and other cheeses, um, you know, are all great options. Um, and I, and usually, and, and of course, ice cream. Um, so there's lots of different sources that you can get. And if, if you really, if, if your kid hates all of those things and you are really concerned that your child is not getting enough calcium or, or the vitamin D, you can always talk to your doctor. They can run tests to see if they are deficient in any of those and they can start supplementation, which are very easy too. Um, yeah. I wouldn't recommend starting supplementation until you talk to your doctor, but um, if you're really worried, I mean, cause my kid was picky. My oldest again was really picky and we were concerned, but not enough that we went that path, but um, yeah. it all depends on your child. And if you feel that your child isn't getting enough, then it's easy to reach out to your physician about that. Yeah, that's really good. Bethany, do you have anything that pops in your mind of just tips for if your kid's not a milk drinker? 
have a lot of adults that come to me with this. They're like, well, oh, I'm just, one of them. I mean, it's bad. Yeah. I've tried for yeah. 35 and a half years. You guys, I've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, and if you don't like it, then we can come with other alternatives. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like a lot of um, a lot of parents were raised either to drink a bunch of milk. And so now they're like, that's just what kids do. I don't mm-hmm. drink milk. That's weird. I think a lot of that's the echoing a lot of the comments that I hear from clients. And so when we talk about dairy, I said, do you do any dairy? And that's always what they think of. Oh, I don't drink any milk. Well, there's a lot of other opportunities to get dairy in our diet. And I think we miss out on those. And that's the same goes for our teens. So some of the things that teens really enjoy, I think you can make um, upgraded with good forms of dairy. And so that could be things like a smoothie. I was um, just going to say really smoothies. into smoothies. Yes. yes. All, kids of all ages and adults. So using yogurt as your base yeah. or using dairy milk or a combination to get the right texture. Those are really great options. Um, older teens, it's up to you when you, uh, when you decide to introduce this, but I know it's really popular with older teens, like lattes oh, <laughs> or yeah. those type of things. Yeah. Making one for yourself at home or adults. Making one for yourself at home using dairy in that form is another good way um, to get a little bit of dairy in. You could do um, all of our favorite cheese snacks are good options, too, as far as, like, uh, again, those nachos. Or if you're going to do even, like, a homemade mac and cheese, a favorite of a lot of kids that you can make with dairy and put some vegetables in or a higher fiber um, uh, macaroni. And then you get a lot of good pieces to it and it's still not just traditional drink a glass of milk but I will do even with my kids um none of my kids really are great milk drinkers every Mm -hmm. once in a while um but we'll do chocolate milk too I mean even as a hot chocolate it's an easy thing just warm up chocolate milk and you have a really balanced protein rich snack it's not just straight sugar it at least has that balance between that protein and a little bit of the or with the sugar you're balancing out some of that Yeah, that's a great idea. So Bethany, you have expertise in um, digestive wellness and gut health. So can you tell us a little bit more about how dairy may help with good digestive health and specifically like what types of dairy foods should we be looking for to help with this? The things that I always think about, because people always say, well, what can I have? What can I do to have a good foundation for gut health? And I do think the most varied your diet can be is probably the best. And that includes dairy. So the two that are probably most popular in our diets that will provide actual digestive benefit would be yogurts. So any of our fermented foods. So yogurts um, and then also kefir. Oh, yeah. Which is that drinkable yogurt. Those go great in smoothies. They can be a little tart for kids sometimes. Uh But I think that they're good for smoothies. I have some hardcore kids that love it. You just pour them a glass of kefir really great for constipation. So I will use that with kids that are constipated because it's just a really easy thing for them to have a little bit of kefir and they don't mind it and then it can help with constipation. So all of those I think can be really good options to start to introduce some more variety um, for our gut bacteria to have some some friendly bugs that can help. Yeah, definitely. So can I or my child have dairy if we have a lactose intolerance? 
Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, so everyone has kind of a different level of it. So mm-hmm. it, and every kind, every child and, and adult kind of learns what is acceptable to their body and how yeah. comfortable they are with it. But yeah. there's tons of lactose-free options out there now. So there's, I mean, there's lactose-free milk and cheese and yogurts, and all of them have, you know, the good sources of calcium that we want from the other dairy products. But um, so the question is, yes, to a certain degree, but even if they're, if they're completely... Um, lactose tolerant and can't tolerate it all and, and, and not happy with the way that it makes you feel, sure. um, then there's a lot of other alternatives out there. Definitely. Definitely. Important to point out here that there's a difference between lactose intolerant and like a dairy or milk allergy. Cause I yes. think there's a lot of confusion yes. there, yes. especially with yes. parents who are experimenting with that. Cause the yep. dairy allergy is a, um, is an allergy to the protein mm-hmm. and lactose is to the carb. So it's that your body's not digesting it. It's not an allergy. It's just that your body's not digesting it. So there's a lot of things we can do to help make sure that it's digesting it. And that can be pulling out lactose altogether. Um, although I do find with most people, if they pull out lactose altogether, then when they have it, it they're way worse than they ever were before. But it's really sure. common if you think you might have lactose uh, sensitivity or if you're lactose intolerant that you don't, um, you get bloating, diarrhea, really common symptoms. So from the diet standpoint, I think a lot of people go the like, oh, I just took all dairy out and I substituted all my dairy products with something else. But a lot of our dairy products are naturally lactose free. So most of our hard cheeses are naturally lactose free. And Greek yogurt is like 99% lactose free. Almost all of my people that mm, that's have lactose intolerance. I know that's the one that everyone's like, what? I can okay, have that's great. I don't have to look for any special labeling. Nope. You can have an kefir like we already talked about. That's naturally lactose free too. Um, so easy things that you don't have to go out of your way to say, is it on the label? Nope. I'm going to say, I mean, probably most Greek yogurts, as long as it's a true Greek yogurt, yeah. are going to be lactose-free and, and tolerated by most. Sure. So when we're at the store and we're reading milk labels, or just many type of labels for that matter, but milk specifically that says that they're antibiotic-free, is that something that we should be concerned about? And we're talking about reading milk labels. Milk labels, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so antibiotic-free, all of the products that you're going to buy in the store are going to be antibiotic free. So that's kind of a, it's just a marketing to help you feel safer about the milk that you're drinking. So even if you don't see that label, it doesn't mean that it's not antibiotic free. All of them are antibiotic free. Um, any cow that has been given, because the cows get sick too. So any cow that's been given antibiotics um, while they've been sick, they remove them and they milk, they still milk them. They have to milk them. Mm-hmm. Um, so any cow, just like all the moms out there, you probably, you know, friends, you've had mastitis. That's what cows get that too. So mm-hmm. if they have that, then they remove them from the, um, where all the milk goes, they still milk them and they keep it separate. So, and then they test it rigorously. So multiple times it's tested while it's there at the, um, actually at the farm. And then when it's put into production. So the jar or not jar, I guess, but the container of milk that you purchase from the grocery store is a combination of a lot of different cow's milk. um, And it's been tested again before it's given to you. And it's really expensive for the farmer. Like it's beneficial for them to make sure that their milk is safe because if it's tested and it's not safe, so it has antibiotics present, present in it, then they have to throw out all that milk. And that's, 
that's really expensive for them. So yeah. the farmers have, they love their cows. They, they want to provide good food to us. And so it's a big piece of making sure that it, our food supply is safe all the way down to when we pour it in our glass. That's great. Very helpful. So kind of along those same lines, do we need to be concerned about hormones being added to milk? I know that was like a big thing. I feel like back in 2014 that I was doing my new mom research with milk. So is that, is that an issue? Is it a non-issue? Dr. Schiffman, what do you think about the hormones? Yeah. Well, I mean that, that's probably more Bethany because I, to be honest, I'm not sure about that in, in the milk source. Yeah, sure. Hormones aren't added to milk, but all living things have hormones in them. So the plants, that are outside and and plants or hormones are meant to do a lot of different things in our lives. And most hormones are proteins. So in our digestive system, we denature proteins, all proteins, we denature them and then we uh, get rid of them basically. And so hormones are included in that. So anything that you take in has that's living, which we hope you're eating living food, like um, all of your fruits and vegetables, your dairy milk, all of that, we hope that you're eating on a regular basis and not just packaged food. And so if it's coming from a living thing, then it's going to have hormones in it. And we have hormones too. So because it's not a uh, something that we take in, we're not as concerned or something that we are actually producing, we're not as concerned about it. There was a concern back again, like you were mentioning, yeah. that they were giving hormones to the cows to help do better production. And that really isn't as much of a concern anymore. And a lot of studies have been done on the hormones that are present in milk. Um, Even just breast milk from a human mother has a lot of hormones that we're passing on to our babies too. Um, And so I think that there was, hormones aren't necessarily something to be scared about or concerned about, um, especially not from a dairy source. They're not added. It's just part of what's present in milk that comes from a mammal. I'm trying to remember like what it was. Was it estrogen that was the concern? I'm guessing you're referring back to that RBST. I think so. Yeah. yeah, That bovine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously I'm not that concerned now. (laughs) I can't remember, but I do remember that being like, okay, I got to make sure I pick up the right milk, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. Thank you guys both so much. Do either of you have any like, closing mind-blowing statements about dairy that you'd like to share with our listeners? <laughs> I have one more thing that we kind of yeah. touched on about the allergy with, yes, with milk. Yes, please a, do. A lot, so a lot of times kids will have, Bethany was saying there's like a, a milk protein allergy and like a, a you know, a true um, allergy versus a, a non-allergy, more of like an intolerance. Um, and a lot of times kids will have a milk protein allergy early on, um, but it doesn't mean they're going to be a lifelong allergic um you know, person to, to milk, to dairy. Okay. So even if your child has some allergic component early on, it's really uh, good to try to reintroduce milk after they're one year of age. And a lot of those kids do outgrow that milk protein because it's, it's the allergy because it's a different mediation. It's a T-cell mediated versus an IgG mediated response. So a lot of kids who may be intolerant to milk early on are able to have milk and, and do it safely as they get older. That's, that's a really good point. So it's like once, you know, just cause you're off it at one point doesn't mean that you're, you will always, or your child will always be off, off milk. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. That's a great point too. Um, Bethany, anything you guys are like a wealth of wealth of knowledge, wealth of dairy knowledge, <laughs> legendary knowledge, legendary oh. knowledge. 
I had to squeeze in a food pun. It's my favorite. Um, That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I have small children. They don't yeah. think I'm funny. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to, trying to bring it home with some good uh, jokes. Um, yes. uh, one thing that I was going along with that, I think what Dr. Schiffman said, that with our, um, like a lot of little babies that are exclusively breastfed, I feel like, and I'm sure you see this, that they'll come in with blood in their stool, which is like yes. very classic. Yeah. They're having yeah. a dairy allergy and then yeah. the mom will never reintroduce it. And then they'll end up at, with me as a, you know, six or seven year old, not doing any dairy. So I love that uh-huh. reintroducing things. Obviously we don't want them to be sick. Um, but having dairy frequently for younger kids, like we talked about that, um, but lactose intolerance. So that lactase enzyme that breaks down the lactose is really sensitive to our diet. So when we cut it out, what's present goes down. Um, and then we have to reintroduce it slowly. So reintroducing it really slowly. If you've had a period where maybe you've tried to pull out dairy altogether or lactose altogether, reintroducing it really slowly, not just going to Dairy Queen and getting a Mm -hmm. huge blizzard. (laughs) Jose peppers. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's so great. Thank you guys both so much. Absolutely. And you guys are awesome. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review, as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.